Good morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? Come on, you doing all right? All right. Well, it is good to have you here. As, as Cherise said, we're starting a brand new series that we're excited about. Uh, and next week, uh, your kids are going to get to take some pictures with some superheroes. And so we're going to have fun this whole month. And uh, so I want to encourage you. You see that there's a little invite card maybe sitting, it may be underneath you. You may be sitting on it, but it's, it's there so that you can give that to somebody else and just invite them to come back with you for this month. We're going to have a good time. Uh, something that uh, before we dive into the, our new series that uh, I wanted to make you aware of is today is our first uh, step in our growth track. And so growth track is the four-week kind of class that we offer uh, the first class is the first week of the month, second class, second week of the month, and, and kind of so on and so forth. And it starts 15 minutes after the service. And what it's designed to do is to help you grow in your faith, to find out more about City Walk, kind of find out what we do, why we do it, find out how God's uniquely wired you, and just get better connected. And so uh, it starts 15 minutes after the service over in uh, the fifth classroom in the children's area. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't gotten connected with Growth Track, uh, it's a great time to get started because we're, we're in a brand new cycle right after the service. Growing up, uh, and, and who doesn't like superheroes? I mean, really, I mean, this is like, t tell me I can wear a superhero shirt to church and preach in it and like, yeah, I like this series, let's do it. Uh, but you probably, like me, you probably grew up and, and kind of loved a certain superhero. When I was growing up, I, I loved to watch superheroes. I loved to, for me, my favorite one was Batman. And so man, my mom and dad tell me that whenever the, the music for the Batman show would come on, I would come running. And I, I loved watching that show. That was the old school one. I'm 42, so that was the, the old school one, not like the Christian Bale Batman. But, but that was the old one, and, and I remember really liking that. And then if Halloween came around and there was an option to dress up like a, a superhero, I was taking that option. And because, man, what little kid doesn't enjoy dressing up like a superhero? And probably one of the greatest days of my life was when I got a pair of underoos. And for, for those of you that are about my age, man, underoos, and I, I guess I probably still have them, were, where you basically got underwear and a shirt, and it was like the, the, the uniform of a superhero. And, and so I remember just being so excited. I think the ones that I got were Superman, and I got them when I was like seven or eight years old. So what I'm about to tell you, you're going to think I was weird. I remember as a seven or eight year old walking out of my house in my underoos because I wanted to show my neighbor down the street. And again, if I was three, two, you're like, okay, but seven, eight, really? But that was a great day for me when I when I got those those underoos. And and so for you, you probably, hopefully, you didn't have any moments like that as a child that scarred you. Uh, but most of you, you probably had a favorite superhero. And I want you to think about, man, if you had to narrow it down to one, like which one of the superheroes that you grew up with or that are maybe in a movie even today, which one was your favorite? And why did you like that superhero? Why, why are you wearing the t-shirt for that superhero? Why do you, like many, many other people, fill theaters all over our country and world watching our superheroes play out their stories 
uh, on, in these movies. In fact, if you're a Marvel fan, man, you've probably been to see Endgame a few times. You've been one of the gazillion people that have gone to watch that. And what's interesting is we, we fill up the theater to watch these superhero movies and every single one of the plot lines is exactly the same. I mean, if you re- I mean, we, we glamour it up, and, but if you really think of the plot line of all of our favorite superheroes, it's pretty similar. I, I mean, basically, you have a world that's in crisis. That, then you have a hero that comes on the scene, and, and the hero makes this tremendous sacrifice, and, and at the end of it, they save the world. Very few times in the story does the superhero lose. They usually win. And if they die, it's because their contract went out with the company they were doing the movie from, but they still win and then they die. And if you haven't seen Endgame, we ruined a little plot line for you there. But, but, but so the, the, the script is basically the same and it's just different people playing the same roles. And, and so here's what I was thinking. Why? Why do we go and watch these movies? Why are we glued, whether you're 90 years old or you're five years old? We're, man, all watching this, these, these movies. And, and it's probably because, if we're honest, there's something inside of us that loves the idea of heroism. We, we love the idea of a hero and what a hero stands for. And there's something deep down in us, even for us that are adults, that, man, we want to be a person like that. And we don't have a magic, magic shield. We can't, like, spit spider webs out of our, our wrist. But there's something inside of us that wants to be heroic. And so we fill theaters to watch these movies about our favorite heroes. And sometimes... What we do with the people in the Bible is we kind of put them in the same place as these heroes that we watch on TV. That these people that we read about in the Bible have this superhuman power that us mere mortals don't have access to. And we kind of put them in the same category that we put Superman or Captain America or Wonder Woman. And, and what's really an interesting and what's so important for us to understand, especially in this series is this, the Bible is full of heroes, but the Bible is full of heroes who were flawed, heroes who had tremendous weakness, heroes who were afraid, and yet they had a supernatural power to do something that had nothing to do with what they brought to the game. It had everything to do with the God who empowered them to do what he called them to do. They were just available. They weren't necessarily anything special. But yet we put ourselves, we look at ourselves and be like, man, I can't. Gideon, Joshua, Mary, man, these are like superpowers No, they're flawed people that had tremendous weakness that God used in a way that we look back at their story and think, wow. And what we're going to do in this series over the next few weeks is we're going to kind of take a backstage pass into some of their lives and find out what these superheroes in our Bible, people that we look at thousands of years later and we think, wow, what was it really about for them? The first person we're going to look at today is a a person that you find in the Old Testament. 
It's a person that you find in kind of the part of the Bible that you probably don't spend a lot of time in. It's a person by the name of Hosea. And Hosea was a person that if if his story was put to a movie, you probably shouldn't let your kids go watch it. Because the main characters in the story of Hosea were a prostitute and a prophet. And it wasn't one of those kid-friendly stories. But Hosea's story is one of the greatest stories of, of how God tremendously loves his people and will go to ridiculous lengths to have a relationship with them. And it's from the story of Hosea that we, that we get this idea that God is crazy about his kids. Do you have a parent that's crazy about you? If you have a crazy about your kid's parent, you probably have some embarrassing moments to go with that as a kid. If your mom or dad was ever kicked out of a t-ball game because they wanted to go after the umpire, then you have a crazy about your, you know, maybe you're like, yep, that's my mom and dad, that's them. I've already told you my mom and dad are actually here, and I do have those type of parents. They're, they're the kind that do crazy stuff because they're crazy about their kids. I've already told you guys about how my mom, when I would go to the bathroom, would make me sing Jesus Loves Me. And if she stopped hearing me sing, she would come in the bathroom because she didn't want me to get kidnapped. And so, you know, again, me and my underoos seven or eight years old, but imagine me being like 9, 10, 11 in the bathroom. And if you're going to the bathroom in the same bathroom as me, you see this kid singing Jesus Loves Me and you think something's not right. That was me, because I, I had parents that were like that. And, and, and God, as crazy as your parents were, or crazy as you are about your kids, man, it pales in comparison to how God loves you and is so crazy about his kids, and he will go to ridiculous lengths to have a relationship with us. And in fact, the story of Hosea illustrates this so well. In fact, just to give you a little bit of background, Hosea, he's a prophet in Israel about 750 years before Jesus was born. Uh, At this point in Israel's history, they're actually split into two kingdoms, and they're actually doing pretty well. They're prospering financially, things are going well, but while they're prospering financially, they're going bankrupt spiritually. And what the nation of Israel has kind of decided to do is they've decided to begin to follow a God by the name of Baal. And Baal was known as the storm and fertility God. And so for the nation of Israel, this wasn't a, I follow this God because this God loves me so much. This was a, I follow this God and I want to appease this God because I need this God's blessing and I want to stay on this God's good side. Because to the nation of Israel, the idea of fertility was was paramount because for them, crops were their life and people were their life. If they had a lot of kids, that was workers, that was soldiers, that was people to take care of the land and, and their crops were everything to them as far as their finances and how they made a living. And so for them... They chose Baal, this god of fertility, and kind of tried to appease Baal by by kind of following him and keeping him happy. Maybe you can relate. Maybe as you think about a relationship with God, you think about a God that is kind of like, you know what, I just want to stay on his good side. It's not about a, a love relationship where he's crazy about me and will go to great lengths to have a relationship with me. I just try to do enough good things so that God doesn't get too mad and like strike me down. I want to stay on his good side. 
And for these people, that's what their relationship with Baal was like. They just wanted to stay on his good side. And so what God does is he says to Hosea, he says, hey, Hosea, I'm going I'm to call on you to do something ridiculous to be a living illustration of my tremendous love for this nation of Israel who has left me. And so in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, listen to what God says to Hosea. It says this, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So God tells, he tells Hosea, he says, I want you to marry a woman who will be unfaithful to you. I want you to marry someone who is basically a prostitute. Hosea's like, excuse me? You, You know I have a reputation. You know I'm a man of God in this society. You want me to do what? And God says, yes, Hosea, I want you to marry a woman who will be unfaithful to you, who will commit adultery, who will be a prostitute, because your relationship with her is a living example of my relationship with the nation of Israel. And so, Hosea, I want you to marry her. And so, verse 3, it says this. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deplame, and she conceived and bore him a son. So Jose, he does what he's told. He, he marries this, this woman named Gomer. And we don't know if she was already unfaithful, if she was already living that lifestyle, or if it happened after they got married. But, but God told him, this woman is going to leave you, be unfaithful to you, and I want you to marry her. And so things seem to start well for them. Jose and Gomer, they get married, and pretty early on in the relationship, they have a child. And before you know it, after they've had one son, Gomer and Hosea, they they have another little girl, and they have another son. And so, man, things are going fairly well from the outside. This young family has three little kids. But at some point, and I don't know if it happened overnight or if it happened slowly, at some point, Hosea woke up, and he looked next to him where the, the mother of his children and the wife he loved laid And she was gone. And like I said, I don't know if that just happened overnight or if she began to distance herself from Hosea and eventually she she just was gone. And and I don't know if Hosea, as he woke up that morning and looked and saw that she was gone, if he thought, oh, maybe she's in the other room or maybe she went on a walk. How quickly it came to him that, you know what? She's gone. And, And you never really think about this. At some point... Hosea, this prophet of God, had to pull his three kids into the living room and sit down with his three babies and say, hey guys, I've got to tell you something. Mama, she's gone. Mama, she, she, she chose a, a different life. She, she, she's left us and she's, she's going to go live a different way. And so we're not going to have mama for a long time. And and this must have been devastating for their family. But not only was it devastating for their family, but but as a a prophet of God, this must have been devastating to his, his reputation. See, this respected prophet of God was now a single dad who had been left for a life of prostitution. And the events of Hosea's life were a vivid picture of God's relationship with the nation of Israel. 
This is exactly what happened with God's relationship with Israel because God had made a covenant with Israel. His covenant with Israel was this. If, if they would trust and obey God, he would provide, protect, and bless them greatly. But yet they chose something else. Instead of remaining faithful, Israel didn't believe God and sought, sought what only God could truly give in other places. And so the life of Hosea and the picture of Hosea and this unfaithful wife, Gomer, is exactly the picture of this, this nation who God had made a covenant with them and said, Hey, I'm going to bless you. Trust me. And they turned their back. And it's the whole second chapter of the book of Hosea is God showing his tremendous love to the nation of Israel by taking the prosperity away. The whole second chapter of Hosea is, is God removing the parties and he's removing the prosperity because he wants this nation to know, I have something so much better for you. And it's this way that God felt about the nation of Israel that Hosea must have been feeling the same way about his wife Gomer. He had to be asking himself the question, why would she leave a loving, committed relationship for a life of unfaithfulness that will ultimately destroy her? Why did she leave me and the babies to go and live this lifestyle? She knows I love her unconditionally. She knows I'm here to, to help and serve and do whatever I can to help her. Why did she leave us? For something that will destroy her. And then, and I don't know how long this was. I don't know if Hosea went months, weeks, years being a single dad and raising the kids, hearing rumors of where his wife was, who his wife had been with. Because we're not talking about a big area. But at some point, God comes back to Hosea. And he asked him to do something that's more ridiculous than the first thing he asked him to do. In Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, God says this. The Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. The raisin cakes were part of a worship of Baal. And so basically what God tells Hosea is, hey, Hosea, I know your wife left you. I know your wife's been unfaithful. I know she's embarrassed you. I know your name is in the mud in our society. I know all that. But I want you to go find your wife. I want you to buy her back. And I want you to recommit yourself to her. Hosea, I want you to do something that won't feel normal. And, and, and what you're about to do, Hosea, is going to be a picture of my love and pursuit of my people Israel. And so Hosea obeyed. Hosea, I mean, the dude hadn't spent a lot of time in the red, red light district of town. But, but he had to make his way to the red light district of town and purchase his wife back from the sex trade. And, and then God told him, hey, I want you to renew your vows to her. And so Hosea, he does. He travels to the part of town that, you know what? You're not, you don't expect to see a prophet of God in this part of town. 
He, he travels to an area that he's not familiar with. He probably had to ask around, like, guys, have you seen my wife? Guys can't even look at him in the face because some of them are the ones that have been with his wife. And so he's on pursuit. He's looking for his wife. He's never been in this part of town. He's asking around, hey, have you seen my wife? Have you seen my wife? And then somebody finally says to him, hey, hey, I, I think I, last time I saw her, she was at the auction. And, and they, were, they were about to auction her off. And so Hosea, man, he, he, he knows, he, all right, he, he's walking to the auction. And as he walks to the auction, the, the stench of evil, as he even gets close, as he hears the bidding before he even enters the room. And he walks in the room and, 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 and he, the stench of evil and the stench of just sickness is in the room. And then he looks up and his heart breaks as he sees his wife on the trade block. Ready to be auctioned to the highest bidder. And Hosea, he says, I'll buy her back. I'll buy her. And so it says this. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and lethic of barley, which is basically the, the price of a slave. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. I will be committed to you. And I can't even imagine this. I mean, did Hosea, like, did he have to bid against another guy and be the highest bidder for his wife? What must this have been like? But God told him to go and to buy his wife back and to recommit himself to his wife. And so he did exactly what his God had told him to do. And I can't imagine if, how Gomer was feeling. Did she look up and see him and come in the room and just like, are you serious? I never thought he'd come. And then he starts bidding for her, his own wife. And he buys her back. And this unfaithful woman is loved unconditionally. She's bought out of the slave trade and her husband recommits himself to her. And then what Hosea does is he, in a way that, that can only be from God, he points from what's just happened to Jesus. It says this in, in the very next few verses. It says, this shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or prince and without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant. Who might that be? Their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his anger. No. They will tremble in awe of the Lord as he gets even with them. No. They will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. The Bible tells us this, that it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. 
And so as Hosea is, he understands the picture. He understands as hard as this is for him and what he's going through in his life. He understands what he's doing in his life is a picture of something much bigger. And he understands that, that he is literally playing the role in this story of God. And, and that one day a king will come and a king that will be a good king will come and buy back those who are enslaved. And he will turn things around, not because of his anger, but because of his goodness. See, the story of Hosea points to God's ultimate demonstration of his love. See, one day in heaven, God came to his son and said, let's go buy them back from the slave market. These people have looked for provision, protection, and satisfaction in places that are going to harm them. And we've got to go buy them back from this slavery that they're about to enter. Because it will hinder the relationship I want to have with them. And so the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans chapter 5, written by a guy by the name of Paul who understood what slavery to sin was like. He says it this way in Romans 5, 8. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enslaved, while we were giving God the finger, God sent Jesus to die for us. Amazing. See, Whether we like it or not, we're born into slavery. And all you have to do is go look in the nursery right now, and that will tell you that you won't won't argue with that point anymore. Because you guys know this, you didn't have to teach your two-year-old to lie. You don't have to teach your your four-year-old to be selfish. You don't have to have a class on being mean to, to a kid. You don't have to sit your kid down and say, let me show you how the best way to lie and manipulate people is. No, you know why? It comes naturally. They're born with this sin nature that they're enslaved to because of Adam and Eve. No one has to teach them. They're born with it. And for us to be free from slavery, someone had to buy us back. Someone had to pay the penalty for our disobedience. Just like Hosea paid for his wife, somebody had to buy us back. And if you haven't figured it out, you and I aren't Hosea in the story. If you were here like, yeah, I I see myself like Hosea, the hero, buying back my wife. No, 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 no. In the story, we're the other person. We're the other person who God loved even when he knew we would be unfaithful. He loved us. He let us go our way, but he didn't leave us there, and he sent somebody to buy us back. See, we believe Jesus is God's son and that he really came to earth. We believe that he lived a life free of sin. He didn't have to pay for his own sin. We believe and history proves that at the age of 33, he was crucified, put in a grave, and he did not stay in that grave, but rose from the grave. See, we believe that because of this, God proves to us how crazy he is about us. That he will go to ridiculous lengths because he loves us. 
I wrote this in my notes. He loves you so much, he was willing to go to great lengths to pursue a relationship with you and with me. See, his pursuit brings us to a place of response. And so I want you to think, this is this story of Hosea. Sometimes we read stories in the Bible like this and think, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. Wow, that's pretty, pretty, pretty neat what that guy's willing to do. But God put the story of Hosea in the Bible for us so that we would understand in a very small way how much he loves us and how it not has nothing to do with how faithful or unfaithful we are, but he loves us and pursues a relationship with us in spite of our unfaithfulness. In spite of, he already knows all the things we're going to do that won't please him. But he's still faithful. And so how do you, how do you take the, the story of Hosea and, and, and this, this story and this example of God and his love for Israel, how do you take it as a follower of Christ and, and make application to your own life? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 11, it says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. See, our response should be one of thankfulness and obedience. We talked about this earlier today with some of our bridge builders. This story should remind you that there is never a hopeless cause. And that there's no one that we should ever look at and say, now I'm done with them. Because if God had that same attitude, we would all be done. But, but he loved us so much when we were that hopeless cause. He sent his son Jesus, his most precious possession, and gave him so that he could have a relationship with us. And if you are a follower of him, you and I should be that example in our city and in our region of someone who loves people who maybe nobody else believes in. Because we've been loved in a way that's unbelievable. And we should do it not out of duty, but we should do it out of thankfulness. Like we get to do this because we've been loved so much. We actually get to be the example to other people of God's love. This is great. It's it's an awesome thing to be a part of. You loved me so much, God. My only response should be to love others. Maybe you're here and, and you're not a follower of Christ. And you're hearing the story of Hosea for the first time thinking, what kind of whack stuff are you guys talking about at church? Prophets, prostitutes, what's this all about? Well, if you're not a follower of Christ, you know what? I I believe God directed you here so that he could tell you that he knows you and he loves you. He knows you on your best day and he knows you on your worst day. He knows you on your future best days. And he knows about your future really bad days. And he wants you to know that he loves you and he knows you, which putting those two together should encourage you. So he knows all the ugliness in me and he still loves and pursues me? Yes. It's amazing. See, he knows about our past. He knows about our failures. He understands our hurt. He's not intimidated by our questions. And today, you can start a relationship with him. 
You say, Chris, I, I got invited to church, or maybe somebody bribed you to come to church today. Maybe there's a free lunch in this for you after church, and you're like, all right, I'll go. But at the end of the day, God has you here for a reason. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to close up. I just want to, want to talk to you. Maybe if you're here and you'd say, Chris, I'm somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You say, maybe, maybe for you, the relationship with God thing has been one of those kind of things where it's been, hey, let me keep God on my good side. Let me do enough good things so that he doesn't get too mad at me and doesn't make my life really bad. And maybe that's been your relationship with God. And today, maybe for the first time, or maybe it was a reminder to you, you found out that God loves you and is crazy about you and will go to great lengths to have a relationship with you. He loves you the way you are, and He loves you too much to let you stay that way. And so we come to God as we are. We come to God with our baggage, with our past. We don't have to clean up everything before we come. He does that after we have a relationship with Him. And so if you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, I don't have a relationship with God. How would I start? How would I start a relationship with God? Well, are you willing in just the, the quietness of your heart, are you willing to admit to God that, man, that you've broken His commands, that you've done things that are against Him, that you've sinned? The Bible says we've all sinned. Are you willing to admit to God that you've sinned? With every head bowed and every eye closed, are you willing to believe in your heart that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that He did that for you? And then this morning, are you willing to, just in the quietness of this room, are you willing to just call on Jesus and ask Him to save you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you'd say, Chris, today I'd like to do that. Today I'd like to start a relationship with Jesus. I believe that I'm a sinner. I, I admit that. I'm not going to argue with God. I know I've broken His commands. I believe He died and rose from the grave for me. And I do. I want to start a relationship with Him. I, I want Him to save me. Well, in the quietness of this room, would you just, in your heart, not out loud, would you just tell God that? Would you just say, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I admit it. Just tell God. Just in the quietness of your heart. Tell God that, man, I, I believe that when you sent Jesus to die and raise from the dead that you did that for me. Just write in your heart to God. And then just invite Jesus. Say, Jesus, I, I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to save me now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you'd say, Chris, I prayed in my heart to God. I talked to God in my heart, and I, I asked him to save me this morning. I started a relationship with him this morning. Would you just slip up your hand? You say, this morning I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. You can put your hands down. For those of you that prayed and, and asked Jesus to save you, man, I, I encourage you to take that card that's under your chair and just check that box that I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And then maybe stop by the Next Steps booth and because we want to help you along in your new relationship with Jesus. 
And so if you started a relationship with God today or if you have questions, put it on that card because we want to help you apply some of the things that we're talking about here at City Walk, just like we're trying to apply them to our own lives. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Hosea and how your word in such a powerfully vivid way shows us how much you love us, how the great links you'll go to to start a relationship with us. And Lord, we're so thankful for that. We're not worthy of it, but God, our response to you is thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.